change is the only constant in every aspect of our lives, be it how we work, how we live, how we learn. It forces us to make the right decisions without the choice of looking back at history and conventions to know what's right. I am Vikram Baskaran, and this is Chargebee's Champions of Change podcast, where we talk to changemakers who've walked before us, built businesses on first principles, and unearth their tips and tricks to identify change and turn that into opportunity. Remember, you're just one decision away from being a change maker. Hello, everybody. Today, we have with us someone who's pretty much seen it all in the finance industry. Back in the 90s, when uh, Elizabeth Salomon was working with Ernst & Young, she was nominated for the prestigious post of Accounting Fellow at the OCC Nation's Primary Regulator Banks, where she wrote policy statements that would provide guidance to bank examiners across the country. And from there, she's shifted into industries across technology. She's held senior finance executive, operational audit, and uh, in, I, I think the entire gamut of finance leadership roles at startups and all the way up to multi-billion dollar organizations. Uh, for the last 12 years, Elizabeth's been a CFO at software companies. She's particularly strong in partnering with executives and managers and has led multiple M&As, turnarounds, uh, launched multi-unit auditing programs, driven performance improvement initiatives across functions. So it's, it's super exciting to have you with us, Elizabeth. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you so much. It's a real pleasure to be here. I really appreciate you having me. So thank you. So let's just uh, dive right in. 2020 has been, uh, it's, it's been an interesting year, uh, the past year, right? It's, uh, of course, there's, there's on one side, there's been a pandemic. Um, it's, it's kind of uh, wrecked havoc through how we, how we look at the world, how we look at our lives. Uh, but it's, it's also been the grand reckoning for the new age CFO. CFOs have had to quickly step up, take up more responsibilities to reassess, rethink their companies, think about things, everything from cash flow to burn to moving into profitability. And you have come out stronger through this crisis. So let's let's talk about you and what did you do differently? What, what was 2020 to you? Yeah, you said it. 2020 was a grand a, a grand reckoning. I, I think, you know, I don't have to tell this audience you know, kind of what everything's been through. But if we think back to March of 2020, when we started to realize what was, you know, I'm in the U.S. and we started to realize what was going on. You started to see, we started to see the world shutting down. You know, first thing is from a company perspective, we had to figure out how to keep our employees safe. Like, what should we be doing for employees? We have uh, over 600 employees around the world in, in seven different offices, different countries. So we had to figure that out, how to lead the company through this uncertainty. And then for, certainly as the CFO from the financial pr perspective, what does this mean for our business? You know, we knew the world was shutting down. We had no idea what that meant. You know, is this going to open up in a couple months? Is this, you know, I, I don't, I'm certain we didn't predict what actually happened and then what's still happening in many parts of the world. I'm, sh I'm sure none of our models have that uh, scenario. But uh, back in March, we had to, to uh, look at what potentially models could be from a financial perspective. And I think what it highlighted, I think, you know, one of the things it highlighted is businesses that really had a handle on what they were doing could pivot a lot more quickly and a lot more effectively back into 2020. But I remember those days. I mean, with my team, we were sitting there building countless financial models. What is What happens if this happens? What happens if that happens? We knew companies would slow down their decisions to buy software. We knew some companies would really struggle and, and go out of business. And what does that mean? 
How many of our customers are in that in that get in that bucket? Um, how can we plan on growth? And you know, 2020 was a year for us where we had planned on some significant growth. So we had to figure out what does that mean. And we did a lot of things that um, you know a lot of companies did. You know, in terms of cost savings and and shutting down expenses. But we wanted to, you know, one of the tricky parts was figuring out that balance because we knew we at some point we believed it would the, you know the world would return. So are we going to be positioned well? Do we contract too much or not enough that right balance? So on the tactical side, from the finance perspective, we also, you know, we we knew we had some customers uh, in industries that would have a would be significantly impacted. Fortunately for us, it wasn't a significant portion of our customer base, but we did have some. And so we built a quickly built a multifunctional task force to help these customers be empathetic to their situation, find a solution that helps them, but also gets us something in return. For example, we might give some temporary relief if a customer, maybe they sign up for a longer term, you know, like, hey, we'll help you if you help us in, in the end. So and then obviously these were things that, you know, as I talked to CFOs, most companies did. We got a real tight control on spending. Some of that was easy. Travel shut down automatically. Some of it was hard, as I mentioned. You know, we always believed the world would come back. And so what's that balance? We we didn't want to be flat-footed when it's time to grow, but we also had to be smart about expenses because no one really knew what the long-term impact would be. We implemented a lot of great proactive collection tactics, you know, reaching out to customers, really communicating a lot, helping them through payments. And we actually did really well. We beat our plan for cash significantly. And it was very ended up being very strategic. It allowed us to have cash for an acquisition early this year that we might have otherwise not been able to fund that way. And then I think the other thing that we can't lose sight of is obviously the world changed overnight in terms of working from home and and the fear that people were dealing with. And, you know, how did we, we had to make sure we had strategies to keep our employees engaged. You know, we're fortunate, we're a software company. We we realized we could do all this remotely. We could sell software, we could implement it, we could support our customers, we could pay our bills, but we had to make sure, you know, we keep our employees engaged. What are some of the best practices? How do we help everybody through some of the uncertainty yet keep our eye on the business? So. What a year. <laughs> I, I, I agree. But yeah, like, um, you know, if there's a silver lining in all of this, like you say, in a certain way, necessity is the mother of invention. And crisis has driven a lot of us to extremes in terms of creativity, in terms of figuring a lot of things out. Uh, but now moving into 2021, how, how, is, how, how have your priorities now changed from a crisis management mode what are you, what are you focusing on right now? Yeah, now we we uh, we were able to get through 2020 from a financial perspective. We did okay. You know, we didn't have the growth we had originally hoped for, but I feel really good about how we ended 2020. And we were able as we saw towards the end of the year, we you know, you started to see the economy come back in in many parts of the world, not every part, but we started to Rein, reinstate our plans for growth, and we are back on track. I think one of one of the other things that you know the kind of side benefits of last year did give us a chance to improve some of our internal processes. We upgraded some of our leadership uh, positions, and so we were now we were really well positioned heading into 2021. We're back on track with our plans for growth, focusing on making those right investments. I certainly 2020. Uh, 
allowed. And again, I talked to other CFOs that say the same thing. If you weren't already really focused on the return on your spend, you are now, right? And it was certainly 2020 was a, a key year to do that and to be be cautious. But now we know we need we're planning to grow and we're making those investments. So the key is evaluating those investments for the potential return, what the risks are, how do we think about this new world and how has that changed, you know, our our strategy in the market. You know, again, it comes we are we are back in the growth mode. So it's kind of a fun, a fun place to be. And as the CFO, part of my role, I feel like I'm the accelerant of our change. You know, I think I see, I sit across the whole company, you know, we have to make sure I I don't, you know, having lived through 2020, you know, it can happen now, right? I don't think I would have ever thought about it. So it's always in the back of my mind. So I always need to know where we are financially, but we also have to invest to grow. And so being willing to do that it was a clear shift from uh, 2020, for sure. That's uh, I, I I think that's a that's a very interesting perspective, right? Because you would you you typically think of the old school uh, CFOs as you know the, the traditional kind of people sitting down with the books and yes, there's 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 a lot of stuff going on there, but particularly in tech and especially in the post 2020 world, data kind of becomes king. And as I mean, as as a as a tech CFO, you are you're you're pretty much a data nerd, right? So, can you tell us a little bit of you know uh, your passion for data? Probably some stories about your experience and how you've been able to leverage data and tech to drive growth within your organization. Yeah, absolutely. Data is, is the king, and I you know your your comment about tech uh, tech CFOs. I think this is probably true for all CFOs, but the CFO stereotype of the past, um, I don't see that anymore, where the stereo- the CFO was basically, you know, kind of the classic accountant bean counter, uh, always said no when you wanted to spend money, things like that. And that's not my role. You know, my job is to help, uh, help the company achieve its strategy, help define that strategy, and then help achieve it. And it is, I spend more of my time with our head of sales and our head of marketing and our operations leaders, because I have that unique view across the company, I can see where things are connected, disconnected. And then this is where data comes in. And there's, you know, data is is more plentiful than ever. And I think the key is how do you harness that and use that the right way. But a couple of examples, you know, in a one example previously where in a professional services organization where, you know, we were investing, we sell software and, and we we implement it. It's in our professional services uh, part of the, the organization. And what I was seeing was not quite the growth or the, the profitability from that uh, part of the business. And so we used, we just took all of that data and did some really cool analysis to help us figure out why, you know, what our people were spending their time on, what characteristics of customers were the most profitable for us? How could we better deploy our resources to implement the software in a faster way that makes a customer happier and becomes more profitable for us. So we were able to take all of the time data, match it up with our our Salesforce or our CRM data and kind of figure out some of those relationships. And it allowed us to really pivot and be a lot more profitable and a lot more effective in delivering uh, software to customers. So it was a win-win Another area that we're looking at is, you know, what customer, how, what are the attributes of customers that are most likely to leave us 
you know, we're a SaaS business, so we want to retain our customers. We sell them and we want to retain them. That's a, a key part of our business model. And so what does the data tell us? We're looking at customer size, industry, usage, implementation time, how many support tickets they have. And uh, it's amazing some of the insights that we're getting and we're using that to help help pivot, you know, how we deliver and how we support and and maybe even what types of customers we go after, maybe which ones are a better fit for, for our certain products. So uh, the data can tell us a lot. Often it's tricky because you have to, there's a lot of data out there, but getting it, getting it in a form that's usable and insightful isn't always easy. And now let's just uh, switching gears a little bit. I want to talk about all of these, these moving pieces, everything that's, that's changing today. As a CFO, you have to be cognizant of all of these these things that are changing, but also you don't wanna you don't wanna throw the entire organization in every new direction that that comes up. You need to be able to look at what's what's the right direction that we should be pushing our budgets into, and then having enough allowance and flexibility within your budgets to to have all of these scenarios like plan A's and B's and C's and Z's to to be able to drive with that agility, allocate resources, all of that stuff. So how do, how does how does that work for you? Yeah, I think agility is the right word. I think uh, in today's world, the world changes fast. You, there's so much going on. Um, I think for me, I, I think about it this way. I have, if you, I have to really understand the, the key drivers of our business. What drives the results for us? What assumptions have been made? You know, we build a financial plan, we build forecasts, and we make a lot of assumptions around, you know, how are we you know, how many deals we're going to sell or people hiring, all those things. And the key is being, having, you know, understanding what your confidence level is around those assumptions, because some are going to, you're going to be more confident than others. And what I, for me, what we do is making sure that, you know, we know the actual results could be anywhere along this spectrum of results based on what assumptions you make. So it's good to have those scenarios down on paper, like, you know, what happens, okay, if, if we have this level of growth or this, you know, whatever the assumption is, could drive this result. And then, so for me, we, having a bunch of those scenarios and knowing where, where the results could be helps me, you know, think about how we move forward. And then the key is tracking as you go. You know, a lot of times in the old, the old world, you build a financial plan, you kind of wait till the end of the year to see how you did and you can't do that. You know, we know for us, particularly in a high growth year, one of our key assumptions is around sales capacity. You know, we've made assumptions we're going to hire this many people. This is how long it takes them to ramp. This is, you know, how much pipeline we're going to have. And this is what, what they can attain. And in a fast growth scenario, if you're behind or wrong on any of those uh, assumptions, it could really affect your results in a big way. So we're tracking these things weekly. You know, how are we hiring? How are they ramping? How much attrition do we have? Um, how much pipeline do we have? Does, you know, all of that still look like we're on track? And again, everyone knows the world never plays out exactly as your assumptions are. The plan is always out of date the first minute you finish it. But you do have to, you've made some assumptions. You have to track it as you go. And you cannot wait to the end of the month, end of the quarter, end of the year. And so we spend a lot of time doing that. And, you know, so for us, it, you know, we and we have to be agile. Things things happen in the business. Things present themselves. Um, you know, we've had some up. Uh, we've been opportunistic with an acquisition or two, and we had to be ready 
to determine if this is something that fits, you know, and, and so having a real good understanding of the core drivers of the business, you have to be ready to uh, pivot as things change in the business. I think one of the things today and sitting here in 2021, the middle of 2021, I can't talk about priorities for your CFO without talking about a talent strategy. I think we're seeing a very extremely competitive market for talent. And for most companies, particularly tech, tech companies, our most valuable resource or product is our people. And it sounds cliche, but it's absolutely true. And so it's important today more than ever for companies to have clear strategies around attracting top talent, retention, making sure your highest performers are, you know, whether they're paid fairly and focusing on their development. And, you know, as, as we all know, it isn't always about money creating, you know, it's important to create a culture where people want to be. And in particularly now where we're in this remote world, and I don't think we'll ever go back to everyone's in the office every day. So how do we keep, um, keep our key employees engaged? That's something that is top of mind that, that I'm talking about every day. So, um, Lots to keep in mind and a lot, lot to focus on. But I think the key is really, as a CFO, understanding what drives your business, tracking it, understanding how many, you know, where the scenarios can go, and then being able to pivot as things change or as, as opportunities uh, present themselves. I like, I like how you look at, um, you know, almost the role of a CFO as a very dynamic, always in motion kind of a role, which is, which is very interesting because. Traditionally, when you when when you again going back to the traditional uh, stereotype of your CFO, you wouldn't think of themselves as a, a very pro risk kind of a person. CF like finance people are typically pretty risk averse, and especially in a situation like this, in a high growth environment in in twenty twenty one, where you need to keep playing this 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 tightrope balancing act between accelerating, uh, inve- investing in accelerants and accelerating growth and preserving the financial, uh, financial health of the organization, making sure that, you know, you don't take blind risks. That's, that's a, that's a tough balance act. So how do you think about it? What's your mental model for it? Yeah, I smile because I deal with that a lot lately. Um, that balance is not easy and you're right. And we're in a high growth. Now, not all companies are in this mode, but we're in a, we're in a high growth mode. And so that does take investment. And there's some risk inherent in that, right? Is it going to pay off? That's why we're constantly tracking how we're doing. I think for all kinds of, of types of opportunities or investment or growth opportunities, it could be an acquisition, it could be expansion in a certain market or a product. The way I think about it, and I've, I've kind of grown into this over time, is you know, let's we must take enough time to get the data to make an informed decision about any type of opportunity, but it's never going to be perfect. And you're going to, you know, I think in growth scenarios, companies will have to place bets on certain things, you know, whether it's a certain geographic region. I have a number of stories around these, some that have paid off, some that haven't. And, you know, it may be unnatural or uncomfortable sometimes for a CFO to be willing to invest where, you know, there's a, a higher level of risk. And I think it's the key is being intentional and knowing what you're doing. And so, you know, I think the key is, knowing that there are times when you have to play bet, place bets. And I hate to say it, they don't always pay off. And that's okay. You know, when you want to grow, you're going to try some things that may, may, may not work. And then some will, and you, you go full speed ahead. And I have a, a saying, um, I've had this for a long time with a former CEO I worked for is fail fast. You know, if you try something and you're seeing it's not working, you know, 
figure it out, know what your metrics are to see if it's working or not. And if it's not working, stop it and try something else. And I had someone, I was talking to someone recently who added fail small, fail fast and fail small. And I'm like, as a CFO, I like that. You can't, you know, you don't always, you can't always control that. But if you're going into whether it's a new market, a new product, make sure there's proper planning. You know, have you planned for the things? Again, your information will never be be perfect, but, you know, get it 80% right. You know, do some planning. Uh, how are you executing? I see this a lot with acquisitions where companies get very excited and there's tons of statistics. I did a webinar recently talking about buy-side acquisitions where there's tons of statistics about acquisitions that don't that don't succeed or don't achieve the metrics company companies want. There's a lot of reasons, planning, execution, and then monitoring. You know, if you're making an investment uh, and CFOs have to be behind these investments that drive growth. And, but if you properly plan and you, you ensure there's a, a plan for executing, uh, for example, if you, you know, the example I was talking about earlier, if you're planning on high growth and you hire a bunch of sales reps, but you don't have proper training for them, or you don't have enough pipeline for them, then that's not going to be successful. So making sure that you're executing on all areas and then monitoring how you're doing, just like we do every week on our sales growth. How are we hiring? How are we, you know, do we have enough attrition? Do we have enough pipeline? Are they ramping as they should? And so those things uh, are important. So there's a way as a CFO to get behind these kinds of, you know, ex- growth accelerants. Um, and again, you can't, can't have some of that growth without some risk, but the key is just managing that in a smart way. Another thing I always, I do is I challenge our team. Sometimes they, they kind of cringe sometimes when I ask this, when, when I ask this question, but if we're talking about investment in a certain area, I say, okay, well, what else? that's all great, but what else could we do with that money? Like if we were going to do something else, is this the best use of that money? So just making sure it's all thought through and then then you got to go for it. And that kind of brings me to the last question uh, of our day today, which is your optics. You've, you've, been, you've been in the space for, for quite a bit of uh, a journey so far. And you've seen the role of a CFO evolve over the years. So if you, could, if you could just give me quick time stamps of how has the role of CFOs from your optics evolved over the last few years? And what do you, how, how, how do you see this role continue to evolve, say, over the next five to 10 years? Yeah, I, th- I think, um, and I, I kind of think of myself as an operational CFO. I think that's how the role has changed. It's almost, you could almost think about the CFO and COO role almost merging together over the next few years because it's... Uh, certainly, there's the the regular kind of accounting and all those things that have to happen. But I see the CFO's role as making sure the company is on track for achieving its 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 goals, and that means kind of looking across the company and making sure all those things are on track. Working closely and collaborating with the other senior leaders, data is a big part of it, right? With the data, data exists all over the company. The key is. You know, I, th- I see the CFO kind of sitting across and being able to make sure we have access to the data in a form that makes it actionable. And I think that, you know, the, the CFOs in the operations, making sure we're, we're looking at the right things, I think, making sure um, we're course correcting where we see results that aren't exactly what we expected. And that's kind of, that's what I do every day. And I, I, that's, I see that only continuing to transform and the CFO, COO may kind of merge together because with the proliferation of data all over the company, it's so easy to get it. The key is now having a strategy, making sure you can do something with it. 
that changes the game from when I started in my career. Oh my gosh, we never had access to any of this information. And so a lot of the CFO was, you know, kind of the blocking and tackling on accounting and things like that. And that's just, that's all, you know, so much, uh, it's automated and, and those things aren't really the focus. It's all the data's in the business, what's happening so that we know how to optimize what we want to do and see, and the data that tells us, um, you know, how we're doing. So I kind of, that's how I see the, the role changing over time. I love that. I love that. I think, I think that's, that's, uh, that's, that's, that's a brilliant way of putting it of, you know, the role of the CFO merging with that of the CEO, because that's kind of true. The finance office is at the end of the day where all your data kind of converges together and being able to understand that data and operationalize it and, and translate that into strategy, I think is the winning recipe. And I think you, you've just said it best. So thank you so much uh, for spending time with us, Elizabeth. That was, that was really insightful. Um, learned a lot of stuff. Um, so that was, that was an amazing conversation. So thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed it. And, um, and uh, thanks again. Thanks again.